The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Disney Wedding Podcast, brought to you by Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, the only guidebook and bridal organizer tailored exclusively to Disney's fairy tale weddings at Walt Disney World. I'm Carrie Hayward, and each week I feature a different aspect of Disney weddings, from the latest news, information, and money saving tips, to interviews with wedding vendors and real Disney brides and grooms. I also cover honeymoons, anniversaries, and engagements at the Disney parks and resorts. Join me now as the Disney Wedding Podcast celebrates romance at Disney destinations. Today on the Disney Wedding Podcast, I am speaking with Disney bride Caitlin Griffin about her wedding at the Wedding Pavilion and her reception at Atlantic Dance Hall. I thought you guys would be interested to hear how she planned everything and, of course, how it turned out. So welcome, Caitlin. Hi, Carrie. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for being on the show today. I always like to start at the very beginning and find out how you and your fiancé decided you wanted to have a Disney wedding. He actually proposed at Disney, and he told me that if I was getting engaged at Disney, we weren't going to have a wedding there. And we started kind of looking at venues in Oklahoma, where we're from, and there are a lot of, like, rustic and church venues, but there weren't, like, a lot of event centers, I guess. And that was kind of more our aesthetic and what we were looking for. And so using your, your book and your podcast, I was able to price out kind of what a Disney wedding would look like. And we decided that if we could have a longer engagement and do some like hefty saving, we could make a Disney wedding work. So I immediately hopped on that train. That's fabulous. How did your friends and family react when they found out what you were going to do? I'm from Michigan originally. So most of my friends and family seemed more excited to go to Florida instead of traveling to Oklahoma for a wedding. And because there was just more to do and a lot of them wanted to go and visit the parks and stuff. My husband's family is from Oklahoma. And so they were a little more resistant because they were afraid, I guess, of the cost it would take to get there and travel and all of that stuff. Got it. But they eventually came around? Yeah, some of them, like, they held on to the bitter end almost. But as soon as they got there, it seemed like they really enjoyed themselves. And a few of them were really excited because they had young kids and they wanted to be able to experience that with them. So, Oh, that's great. Now, how many guests did you invite and how many were able to make the trip? We invited, I think it was around 80 and 63 made it. That's a good amount. Yep. Did you guys set up a room block? We did. We did Pop Century. Port Orleans, and then we did Animal Kingdom and Grand Floridian. Oh, that's great. How did you decide on the day of the week and time of day for your wedding? So for the time of day, my husband and I were both night owls, but most of our guests were older or they had younger kids, and so we knew they wouldn't want to do a late reception or late ceremony of really any kind. And so then on the flip side of that, my husband and I didn't want to wake up 
at like two o'clock in the morning to be ready for an 8 a.m. ceremony. So we ended up really liking like a 5 p.m. ceremony because we thought we could get some daylight. And by the time we got to our reception hall, it would get darker and we could have some nighttime shots specifically for fireworks. And Atlantic Dance Hall, at the time we were married, you could only have a nighttime reception on Sundays or Mondays. And we had a lot of religious people. And so we didn't want to potentially like offend them because we also knew we would have some heavy drinkers if there was a lot of alcohol on Sunday. So we ended up deciding on Monday. Got it. Okay. And how did you pick Atlantic Dance Hall and the Wedding Pavilion for your venues? I've always really loved the Wedding Pavilion, and I remember like seeing it on the monorail when we would visit the parks. I really liked that they had the Magic Kingdom in the background, the castle, and it was more of like a church setup. And I knew I didn't want to worry for, it was like 18 months we were engaged. I didn't want to wait that long and constantly worry about what the weather would be like. So having an indoor venue eased my anxiety pretty early on. And then Atlantic Dance Hall has, the colors are red and blue, which were our wedding colors. But I loved the entire decor and the theme of that building. And Atlantic Dance Hall, since it's used for the public and everything, it has bars already built in and it has extra seating and stuff that you would normally have to pay for additionally if you got it in like the convention centers and stuff. So, and I knew that you could get fireworks if you went on the boardwalk at 9 p.m. So that made it a pretty easy decision for us. That's great. Did you have any entertainment at your reception? Yes. So we had Lumiere come out and dance to be our guest. And the banquet catering staff, they brought out the cakes on trays. And then right after he came out, we had Belle and the Beast arrive and they took pictures with our guests and us. And we also had a photo booth and character artist as gifts for our guests and the character artists were probably the biggest hit of our entire wedding. Oh, that's great. Can you tell my listeners a little bit about how the Lumiere entrance works? Because I know a lot of people are curious about that. Yes. So Lumiere entered to our, I think, our right. And he came out and just kind of twirled around and danced a little bit. They were playing, the DJ was playing Be Our Guest in the background. And then on the opposite side, the banquet staff was carrying the cakes on plates and trays. Most of our guests were pretty fixated watching Lumiere. And then after he was done, he moved off to the side where the cake display was and took pictures with us because that was also where our backdrop was. But he only stays out for like 10 minutes. So you get a few shots with him and then we got a few shots with him and Belle and the Beast, but it's very quick. And then he kind of disappears off stage. Got it. Do you have any cake flavors or menu items you would recommend? We really love the macaroni bar. We loved all of the different options that they had there. And then for the cake flavor, like I'm not a big red velvet fan, but that was actually probably my favorite flavor at our tasting. And it was still excellent at our wedding. They ran out of cake. We didn't have any extra to take home. I think I barely got like a couple bites because we were busy, but it was a big enough hit that they ate it all. Wow, that's great. Now, did you add any kind of like welcome party or farewell party to your day? 
No, we looked at a dessert party, but we ended up just doing a rehearsal dinner at like a local pizza joint and inviting all 60 of our guests to go to that. And you had that added advantage of the ability to take fireworks photos from the boardwalk. Where did you guys go with your photographers to get the best photos? Actually, I, it's right around the entrance of Atlantic Dance Hall. Like there was just this little corner and there's a bench and you could get the firework pictures in the background. We were really lucky that the weather was really nice that night. So it was super clear and we got surprisingly really great photos, I thought. That's wonderful. Can you give my listeners a timeline of how your day ran? Yeah. I had like nine or ten girls getting ready. So we got up at like 8 a.m. and we had to be pretty much done with hair and makeup by 2.30. And at 2.30, Vicki Arndt came in and she started the like getting into the wedding dress photos for me. We did not do a first look. So we did all of our pictures separately. And that took between 2.30 to 5 p.m. when our ceremony started. And then the ceremony was about 20 minutes and we did our like bubble exit. And then our guests went over to Atlantic Dance Hall for cocktail hour at six o'clock. And we took a few more pictures at the pavilion. And then seven o'clock was when we started dinner. I think we did toast, like we did a couple of toasts beforehand and a couple toasts during dinner to kind of break up the speeches. The main thing was we had to be outside for the fireworks at 9 p.m. And right after that, we went straight into the Lumiere entrance and into the Beauty and the Beast. And then I think cake was served kind of while Beauty and the Beast was still out taking pictures. And then everything ended at about 11. So it was a really quick, quick night. (laughs) So when you were planning, what were some of the most important aspects where you focused your attention and your budget? The first thing that was really important to me was photography. So I did a lot of research on photographers and people within kind of our budget range. And I budgeted pretty generously, I think, in that area because I knew that would be the one thing that I would take home with me. And I still feel really good about that decision. The second area that we spent more money on was anything that would like enhance our guest experience. We knew that a lot of people were going to be traveling And so we wanted to make sure that it was memorable, but that it was worth their their time and effort. And we wanted to give back kind of as much as possible. So that's why we spent more money probably on entertainment stuff. We invited them to extra like lunches and dinner outside of the wedding. And we would do things like put buttons on their where their table settings were, where you you list their name so that they could have something to kind of take back with them. And then the third thing was I wanted our wedding to be like a representation of both Matt and I. And Matt is not a huge Disney fan. So our entire theme was Disney princesses meets superheroes. And so we had DC and Marvel comic book characters and I put a lot of time and effort into finding decor that fit those things, having things made for us that would work for all of those areas, and just trying to make sure that it was a good combination of both of our interests. Got it. And then what aspects were less important, where you saved your money or just your effort? 
I didn't do a lot of expensive table linens or like chairs. We got pretty lucky that they had just replaced the chairs like a couple months before our wedding. And we only chose to put the more specialty linens on tables that we knew were going to be photographed a lot or were really important. And then probably like the paper stuff. I did spend a lot of time because I tried to make as much of my own things as possible and save money there. And I enjoy crafting. But I know that a lot of people didn't necessarily notice or care for that as much as I did. And that was fine. And then probably like actual floral. We did lanterns. The bridesmaids carry lanterns instead of flower bouquets. And the lanterns each had like a Disney or comic book character on all of them. We mainly used like flower petals. As we spent quite a bit on those, but it was a lot cheaper than doing a ton of floral elements in both the ceremony and the reception. Got it. So what ended up being your favorite memory of your wedding day? I had two. One of my bridesmaids actually ended up creating a scrapbook for me. And she had all of my bridesmaids write letters to me. And so I was starting to read those. And then the the letters from the bridesmaids transitioned into letters from all of my family. And then at the very end was a letter from my husband. And as soon as I read his nickname for me, I just remember like having to shut it and pass the book off to someone else because I couldn't even read it. I was crying so hard. And um, <sighs> just someone else read it to me, and it was exactly the words that I needed to hear in that moment from him. And it was really special. So that one was probably one of the biggest moments. And then my husband and I had been taking like ballroom dancing lessons, and there was one song that was really special to us by Fall Out Boy, and we asked him to play it, the DJ to play it at the reception. And I just remember getting, like, that was the moment where it felt like we had kind of come full circle, and I don't even know how to describe it, but it was, it felt like everyone else, no one else was there. It was just Matt and I, and we were having fun and laughing, and just, it felt really connected to him in that moment after a really long engagement, so... And it was just a nice stress relief as well, because, man, wedding planning is hard. (laughs) (laughs) So then did anything go wrong or just not turn out like you expected? I had a lot of things go wrong. Somewhere on Disney's side, there was one major one on our side. My father-in-law was our officiant because it was important to my husband, and he skipped reading the vows and... He had practiced a lot and had it all written down and everything, and he managed to skip it. And so I'm trying to communicate that to Matt in front of, like, 60 people and not draw too much attention to it. But he kept telling us, no, no, it's fine. We don't need to. We'll skip it all. And so we had to have him go back and redo it. So it made for a memorable ceremony. (laughs) But my planner actually ended up moving back to South Carolina, like, just a little over 30 days before our wedding. So our planner got transitioned, which I think created a bunch of issues on setting up our reception the day of because our original planner had been able to get us some Disney magic and what we were allowed to do there at the reception outside of the norm. And so we had issues where 
they didn't have our seating arrangements right. They refused to decorate things that they had agreed they would beforehand. Hmm. The giant bell and beast stained glass decor piece behind me, that had a crack in it. And Hmm. they told me they wouldn't be able to get it for me for my wedding. And they told me that at my rehearsal. So I got news that they had fixed it at like 1 p.m. on the day of my wedding. So that was a little stressful because their backup option was not something I wanted or was remotely interested in. And then they kept the floral person told me that they couldn't get one of the centerpieces I had listed. And so they were going to have to substitute it with something else. And so it was kind of a day of mishaps all over. And I just had to accept it and roll with the flow and let all of the other stuff go. Wow, that is a shame. Did they do anything to make up for it after the fact? No, I didn't. The main thing, like, I was most upset that our guests, like, didn't have seats where they were supposed to because I never changed my seating chart. And I didn't know that about that incident in particular until several months after our wedding. And at that point, I was just trying to kind of put it to the side the piece that my floral planner didn't wasn't able to get on time for our wedding. She did end up finding like through eBay and sent to me. And so that was a really nice surprise, but. That's interesting. It was something to go in the centerpieces or. Yes. So it was like a Jim Shore figure. And apparently like this specific one had sentimental value to me. And if I had known that they were going to have issues procuring it, I would have bought it and brought it in and placed it and done all of that because they had given us special permission to do that. It was a Pirates of the Caribbean one. And for whatever reason, like those are, I guess, hard to for them to find or have inventory of in our case. And so we had a frozen one and they had no issue getting that one, but this specific one, they couldn't. And so they didn't tell me that till my wedding day, though. The substitute was really cute, but it was more of the sentimental meaning behind that particular one. That's interesting. And then what was the unusual thing that you had gotten permission to do that then they told you you couldn't do? Well, so they told us that because we were using non-Disney characters as part of our theme and mixing characters, which generally is a big no-no with Disney, we were in a venue where you weren't allowed to bring your own items. And... Our planner really, original planner, really advocated for us and our theme because I was very clear that I wanted this from the very beginning and like made PowerPoint presentation and had all my ideas for it. And I was willing to compromise like if Disney could make half of those. I didn't care. I just wanted that theme. And Disney couldn't do a lot of the stuff that we had asked and... They gave me permission to bring stuff in and set stuff up for those tables in particular. I see. And then you weren't allowed to set them up yourself? So we were allowed to set them up, but they didn't set up the rest of the tables. So like they said that they would still do the Disney tables, and I guess they didn't do the Disney tables. They weren't going to touch the tables at all, so they weren't going to set the tables up with the tablecloths or the place settings, the table names, like they basically, the stuff that they would normally set up, the three people I sent there had to basically do it all, it sounded like, when they relayed it back to me. 
Interesting. Wow. Okay. That's, I don't even know how to advise people to avoid something like that. I guess just let Disney do everything. But it's, you know, like you say, if it's something specific that you have as your vision that Disney can't provide, then you should be able to do that yourself. Yeah, I don't know if a lot of it was just like the fact that we got a new planner and assistance right around the time that like all of our decisions had basically been made. It sounded like, or if there was a communication issues between the assistant and the planner, but it was a mess that uh, I was lucky not to have been there to deal with, but it definitely diverted their attention when I needed them other places. And I could tell that like my mom was stressed and everything else. So Interesting. Okay. Well, then, was there anything that seemed like it was going to be a big deal beforehand and then turned out not to be a big deal? I think, like, flying with my dress, honestly. Like, nothing in the wedding itself, but I think there is a lot of anxiety on how to, like, transport my dress. And that was probably the thing I had the biggest anxiety about. And we were lucky to be on a plane where it wasn't sold out, so we could just close the overhead bin and it wasn't an issue. But other than that, I tried to go in with pretty realistic expectations. The only other thing, I guess, I was worried that my in-laws, they generally run a few minutes late. And so I was afraid that because they were a prominent part of our wedding as well, that it would push all of our our times back. But they were really great about being where they were supposed to be and being on time. And so that was a big relief for me. Oh, that's wonderful. Is there anything you would have done differently knowing what you know now? My instinct told me with my planner that maybe I should be communicating, like over communicating. I tried to kind of take a step back and say, you know, these are people that have personal lives and are dealing with other weddings. Like maybe it's not a big deal and I'll just kind of let this slide. And I guess I wish that I had advocated for myself in some more of those moments and maybe some of those other things could have been avoided. And the other really big thing was I, I was by myself because my bridesmaids and parents are in different States. And so I had to go do my wedding dress alterations by myself. And I had no idea that because the seamstress was helping hold my dress while we were walking to the room and then to the mirror, I had no idea that it was like five inches too long. And so I couldn't dance because there was just too much material. But I like whenever I looked in the mirror, it looked fine, but I didn't realize how long it actually was. And so and I would have done more, I think, research in that area. I There weren't a lot of vendors for me to choose from here. And I probably would pick a different one altogether. She also had me like situated in my dress in a very specific way. And if you have to have a bunch of instructions on how to get into your dress, like you're not going to remember it the day of your wedding, most likely, and have these other people that are trying to help you. And so if it has to like that should have been a warning flag for me. That's a great tip. Do you have any other tips or advice for future Disney couples? If you do have a vision that you really want, then I I would strongly suggest advocating for it and taking the time to make those PowerPoint presentations or to be specific and list out things in your planning session. Our planners were able to go to bat for us because Disney told us no a lot of times leading up to the wedding. And the only reason they ended up saying yes was because 
we had all this history going back from day one, basically, that I always wanted this specific theme that they try to avoid as much as possible. And then I think, I guess, just going in with realistic expectations, like things are going to go wrong. Hopefully they don't go wrong, but if they do, there's not much you can do and you definitely don't want to let that like ruin your day or take that out on your loved ones. The day goes by quickly, so... Well, Caitlin, I think you've offered a lot of great tips and advice for anyone who's interested in planning a Disney wedding, especially if they're interested in using Atlantic Dance Hall. And I appreciate your taking the time. Thank you for having me. That's our show for today. I'm your host, Carrie Hayward, inviting you to join me again next week for another episode of the Disney Wedding Podcast. In the meantime, send your comments, questions, and suggestions to info at DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. Past shows are available in iTunes and on the show site, DisneyWeddingPodcast.com. And for instant answers to all your Disney's Fairy Tale Weddings questions, check out Carrie Hayward's Fairy Tale Weddings Guide, available as an interactive ebook with continual free updates at fairytaleweddingsguide.com. 